and gentlemen, welcome back to the journey gas. As usual, I'm gonna ask you to wait 15 seconds so I can say some Portuguese words and then I'm gonna come back to you, okay? Fala galerinha, tudo bem? Bem-vindos ao Journey Cast, o podcast da Journey. Esse é a segunda parte de uma entrevista que eu fiz com o Dr. Bruce Durant, onde a gente falou sobre as diferenças sobre gerações e também como a gente consegue usar esse relacionamento para atingir mais objetivos. Como eu disse, esse é o segundo episódio, então se você não assistiu o primeiro, volta lá, assiste o episódio e depois volta para esse para entender a entrevista inteira, beleza? Bora lá então! Guys, thanks so much for waiting. This is the second part of the interview that I did with Dr. Brewster Runs, the director of the Leadership Development Program at SIUC. So if you haven't uh, heard the first part of this episode, so go back and see that, and then you come back to finish here, okay? So let's jump right in. know we are having this conversation because doc and i had those problems maybe in i don't think a, a week goes by <laughs> when when there isn't a, 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 yeah. a challenge uh yeah. that comes up and you say well have you thought about it this way mm -hmm. you know and more often than not i i haven't i've come to respect your your insight and i hope at the same time You know, I can I can give you my rationale reasoning, and that's equally valuable to you. It is, it is definitely because I know I know that I don't know everything, and I also know that you've been doing this job for 13, 14, 15 years. Okay. So, and that that's one of the things that I tell students too, because as Doc said before, I am the bridge between uh, him and the students or students today. They are between 18 to 21, 22 years old, sort of, and I'm 27. So I am the person that is like in the middle of everything. So at the same time that I try to communicate their vision to Doc, I have to communicate Doc's vision to them. And I, what I always, always, always tell them is like, I love your plan, but keep in mind that Doc has been doing this for the past 15 years. So he probably made a lot of mistakes and he's trying to prevent you to make those mistakes. And at the same time, Well, I have to tell Doc that some, even though you were doing this for the past 15 years, yeah. it doesn't mean that's the best way. Maybe they're gonna bring something. So I think flexibility is the biggest word here. And you know, I, somewhere along the line, I, I coined a phrase that uh, I find myself using a couple times a, uh, a month probably, maybe once a week. It's having that open mind to new ideas and receiving these new ideas. But just because you have a new idea doesn't mean that it has to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perception or an expectation that millennials oftentimes have. I had a new idea. I gave it to him. And you know what? He rejected it. He said no. That means that, that, that baby boomer is closed-minded. Yeah. And I, I wrestled with that for a very long time. It was a, a pretty harsh criticism uh, that said that I was closed-minded. And as I talked about it with other people and we dissected and broke it down, uh, maybe there was an element of closed-mindedness, but there was also a foundation of, of, of values that I, was, I found myself standing on, anchored on, right? And so the, the phrase that I came up with was, uh, better yes 
easier no. Let me explain that. Okay. Because when you have an idea for how you want to improve something, that says that you're willing to you're you're vested in the in the program, you're vested in the outcome, and that's what you want, right? But if you're just looking, you're making suggestions on how to make something easier, which you know is a temptation when you're 20 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's easier but not better, what have you gained? Right? It just says that maybe we're just a little too lazy to do the, the hard work. But if you can look and figure out creatively how to make it better, well, the better is, is fantastic. Everybody wants better. And it hap- if it happens to be easier in the process, hooray. That's, that's nirvana. Even right? better. And so I think that is uh, a really good summary that's uh, gotten me a lot of ground with millennials in the past. It, it clearly defines those expectations that um, I'm not looking for the easy way out. Nobody is. No business is looking for the easy way out. They're always looking for the better, the better outcome, the better result. Yeah. And what I like to say is, like, to be better, you have to recognize that you are not good. Yeah. Right. Because if you're thinking I'm good at it, you know, I, I'm the best at it. You don't have like room for for growth. Yeah. But so, so let me ask you that, uh-huh. you know, because, you know, millennials are oftentimes raised to believe that they're special. Right. Uh-huh. They, they come from uh, smaller families than uh, older generations. Right. Maybe there's only one person or maybe there is uh, just a couple of kids where I grew up with, you know, uh, five siblings. Right. There's five of us. So they're taught they're special because there's just one or two of them. Mm-hmm. How, is, how does that play into, you only have one sibling. Yeah. How does that play into them either receiving criticism? I think I, I learned it through mistake that, you, you know, like, I think I, I thought that I was good until I, I failed. And then I was like, oh, wait, so maybe I'm not that good. And then I started to pay more attention in what and how people could help me because I learned that I couldn't do something by myself when you talk about like being being special that's a very good point that's what everybody uh, says and when I think about the way I was raised I, I don't think I felt like I was special but I felt like I was safe mm. so I knew that I could do whatever I want um, and even if I did something wrong, if I failed, I had my house, I had my home, I had my parents, you know. So they did push me to do the things I want to do. Like I never heard from my parents, like, don't do that. They're always like, you know, go there, try. And if it doesn't work, like, come back. We're going to figure out something else. So I don't think I, I grew up feeling that I was special, but I always grew up feeling that it was possible. Mm. Nice. And then through those mistakes, I learned that I wasn't that good. And then I had to learn more to be better. Yeah. So we've talked before about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. right? And how uh, the different generations, you know, you go back to the, the builders, the baby boomers. They're at that bottom level where they didn't feel safe. Yes. They're struggling for, for the basic human needs of, of food, safety, shelter, etc., Right, and they grew up. That that never left them. That left such a large impression upon their whole life. That that no matter if they had a job for the rest of their life, they still were always always had 
these memories of, of sacrifice and uh, uh, they constantly recycled everything because that's what they did during the Great Depression. And, uh, and their, their children learned that to an extent. So how do you think that relates to, to your generation? In that in that whole hierarchy, because I think you're much much higher up on that than than what we were. Yes, yeah, I, I think that that's a good point, and uh, I I'm gonna talk about like this book called Manage Millennials because they talk about that. They're like it's almost like if you your generation, my my parents' generation, you guys worked super hard uh, to achieve that that the psychological needs and like the safe needs. That today, my generation, I don't have to worry about that because I have that safety. So I need to worry about the next level, which is belonging. Aww. So it, 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 <laughs> I know. But, but th that's why, like, today, the, oh, my generation wants to do something that's meaningful, right? Like, yeah. we, we look for jobs that can, can fulfill myself. So th th that's how the, the, the hierarchy uh, relates to the generations and then probably I, I don't know if maybe my kids are gonna look for the other one which is like uh, self-esteem here's an example when we uh, first started the LDP you know we would uh, market it to prospective students by saying look you would have the opportunity for a fast-track career you have all these great this is going to give you the leadership skills to have a great career uh, you can go, go anywhere with the, the skills that you're going to have. And as time went on, we, we saw how that almost like turned out the lights in their eyes when we started talking about it. And it made no sense to me whatsoever and, until you started talking about it. You're like, you know, they're not looking at a, uh, a sure. lifetime career. You know, for them, belonging is more important. And so... We actually changed our message to talking about the the family of of uh, high performing students that they're going to be associated with the the family they're going to be joining, and uh, many of them are, have continued to be lifelong best friends from from this association of of students that all struggled uh, to learn to become better better leaders who are going to go out and change the world. See, none of that has to do with their careers. No. And, but that is what appeals to them. Yeah. And, and see, see how, how crazy it is? Because if you think about the LDP as a company, as, as a business, or business model, like the way we communicate had to change to attract the population we want. So we, we had to sell our product differently to attract the, the population, the clients that we want. So if you think about the, the whole generation thing, it's not only about relationships, but how business works today. And you know, I heard in a podcast this week that some company, I, I won't remember what, but they, they sell uh, baby stuff, you know, for, for moms basically. And their target group is millennial moms. Look how crazy, like now, because the communication from a baby boomer mom and a millennial mom is probably like different too. Oh yeah, look, look how crazy! I, I, wonder I just how they, about I wonder that. how they changed their message. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the message or the product. You know, if I I, I don't know. That's 
but like all the business are changing because of that too. So it's not only a workforce adaptation, yeah. it's a communication adaptation and the business adaptation. Yeah. For sure. I mean, today, just today, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing our recruitment drive mm-hmm. and I was on the phone talking to a couple of these uh, prospective students and I had to, you know, while I do spout the, uh, the, the career aspects of it, I quickly followed up with, and you'll be joining a group of friends that you will quickly become like a family member to them, uh-huh. right? They're, that's what's important. I, I have had to retrain my mind to, to, uh, to remember that and to think about that is what's most important to them. Yeah. And it, another thing that would be interesting to analyze is the whole value system. Yeah. Because, you know, I love to talk about values, you know, and values guide decisions and behavior. So the way that you behave, that is the way you decide about things is different than my uh, decision-making process. And that's probably because we, we do have different values too. Maybe, you know, like you, you have like maybe like safety or persistency or something like that on your highest, uh, highest values. And for me, it's more like dream more contribution. So all the value systems, the value system change too between generations. So it's... Yeah. We've done a, a pretty decent job of pivoting in the LDP also uh, with uh, incorporating service projects to teach leadership. Yes. Because from my experience, the, the two things that millennials care about the most is each other, mm-hmm. number one, uh, that, that relationship because people people are like family to one another. In my generation, family is family and then friends are friends. Mm-hmm. And today, it's like friends, friends become family. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second thing they care about is the environment. And so when we're, we're able to um, identify community service projects, whether it's working at the Science Center or Women's Center or, or a food bank or whatever it is, they get behind that because they know their efforts are helping a much, much broader group of people than, than just themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really hopeful. Think about what, what their mindset is going to be you know, 30, 40 years from now when they're really at the peak of their, their power and influence. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. And, and what we do is basically like the top of the Maslow's hierarchy thing. Like we, we're giving to them the self-actualization thing, right? Like that, that, that sense of like what I'm doing right now in the world or like in this organization, it's making a difference somehow. And we have to communicate that too, that, you know, you're not going to be, not only going to be part of a group, but you're going to be making a difference right now. Yeah. And we always talk about the generations, like the millennials and everything, like the future, right? But I think we learned that they're way more the present oh, than yeah. actually the future. Like they, they can do so much right now, but it can be way more powerful if guided, if with a good relationship, with autonomy, with flexibility, and with all those things that we, we talked about. That was a very good conversation, Doc, <laughs> really. Um, so as we are wrapping up this, I have a good question. If you could give yourself an advice when you were maybe leaving college, what, what would you tell yourself knowing everything you know today i was 
heavily influenced that that education meant success mm-hmm. and uh, formal education, right? And it took me a long time to realize that it's it's that the people relationships outweigh formal education at least ten to one. You know, you, you probably need to have your some some level of formal education or even just you know informal education that that gives you credibility right but moreover than anything it doesn't matter how much you know it's it's how well you can connect with other people you know and develop those bonds of of trust and uh, nobody ever tells you to work on relationships right Mm -hmm. and uh, I would love to go back and, and tell myself you know figure out a way to work on relationships commit yourself to, to volunteerism you know vol- volunteer every weekend um, serve, serve, your, serve your countries uh, in some, some way shape or form work on your soft skills and you sharpen those and you can inspire hundreds and thousands of people and achieve so much more you know when you have those, those soft skills I, I think we're missing the mark in higher education today by not teaching them. We're assuming that people come into college with those skills, and we know it's it's absolutely not there. So yeah, that's what that's what I tell myself is is to work on those soft skills, and I think that our students uh, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. And that that was Dr. Bruce Durant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you, Diogo. This has been an honor to be part of your podcast. I, I admire all the great work that you, you do here and uh, getting the word out. So uh, look forward to being invited back next time. Pretty soon, definitely, Doc. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys liked this episode. I've learned so much from Dr. Durant, and I hope you guys did learn something too. If you want to know more about Journey, please email us. The email address is here on the description of this episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please don't hesitate to tell us, okay? Thank you so much. We are going to have new interviews, probably more content in English too. So as soon as I have it, I let you know, okay? Thanks so much for being here with us and I see you next time. Bye. Galerinha, muito obrigado por escutar esse podcast. Foi uma experiência incrível. Eu e o Bruce trabalhamos juntos é, por quase dois anos, já faz dois anos, dois anos já. E tem sido uma experiência incrível, incrível, incrível. A gente vai ter mais algumas entrevistas mais pra frente, muito legais, com o presidente das empresas dos Estados Unidos, o diretor do programa de liderança do MIT, o diretor do programa de liderança da Texas A&M, que é uma outra universidade muito grande aqui. A gente vai falar também com a diretora do CLC, que é aquela competição de liderança. Então, cara, não perca para esperar, porque tem muito conteúdo legal. Se você quer saber mais sobre a Jenny, entra no nosso site, www.movimentojenny.com ou então acha a gente nas mídias sociais, manda e-mail para a gente. Qualquer dúvida, sugestão, crítica ou comentário, estamos aqui para atendê-los, beleza? Meus queridos, espero que vocês tenham gostado. Nos vemos numa próxima. Se cuida e até mais. Tchau!